Bavmetsia, Perak Tes, Mishnah Yud Gimel, 913, the last of the Perak, and really a new topic all to itself. Uh, we're talking here about taking some kind of collateral once a loan is in default, so like impounding or seizing uh, someone's property to ensure that they pay you um, for a loan that already is in default. And let me emphasize a point here. Um, a, there are numerous mitzvahs, doraisa, that restrict how one goes about doing that, and we'll see that um, to some degree in our Mishnah here. Um, but I want to make something clear. There's a different story if you are making conditions regarding collateral at the outset when you're making a loan. So when you're making a loan, you can set whatever terms you want, um, largely, in terms of um, what collateral you want. But our Mishnah is not talking about that. Our Mishnah is talking specifically when no collateral was taken when the loan was made, but now the loan is in default, and the lender can't collect, for whatever reason, there's no money to collect from the borrower, and therefore he wants to take something else as like a pledge, as surety, as collateral, to ensure he ultimately gets paid. So that process is restricted in numerous ways, and our mission is going to discuss that. So the mission says, Hamal chavero, um, once a person has loaned, uh, l- lent his friend money, and the borrower now hasn't paid back, it's in default, lo yimashkenu ela babezin. Step one. Even if he's going to be seizing some assets, some property that belongs to the borrower in default, he can't do it himself. He has to work through the Bezdin, and the Bezdin will do the impounding or seizing of that defaulted borrower's assets. Um, now, the Doraisa, the Pasuk talks about not going to the fellow's house. We'll see that more in a moment. Um, it's a machlokas for Shonim if the requirement to use Bezdin uh, is also there, Midoraisa, if the lender meets the borrower like in a public place. Okay? Toso says says it's not a doraisa, meaning that you, he could, the lender could essentially, you know, take the hat off the borrower's head and say, I'm holding this sleeve, pay me back, midoraisa. Uh, but midorabana, we say not to do that because next thing you know, he'll go into the guy's house to take his hat. Um, others don't know that uh, there's a requirement to use a bezin in all events, um, and you couldn't seize it, on, you can't act unilaterally, uh, even on the doraisa level. Now, the mission says, once you brought the Bezdin in, into the picture, and they have some agent who's doing the, the seizure of the collateral. Even the agent of the Bezdin, who's acting with authority, can't go into the home of the borrower. Shanamar, um, as the Pasuk says, he will stand outside. And it's really based on Adrasha. If we read the Pasuk, it's not clear who has stand outside, but uh, the Gemara's under- the mission's understanding here um, that we're talking here about not the lender but rather the agent of the business. So no one goes inside because that's too, you know, much of a violation of the person's privacy, of his of his autonomy, of his you know of his home, his dignity. So therefore, the bezin has the right to seize collateral, but the borrower would have to bring it out of his home. They're not going in to take it from him. Okay. Now, um, what happens if the borrower's collateral that's been taken is something that he needs. So the case for mission here is going to be that let's say he has two utensils which add up to the total that he owes. In other words, for example, um, the borrower, the case the mission we use is that the borrower has a pillow and he has a plow. Okay, but he, it's, he only has one pillow, he only has one plow. So at the nighttime he needs his pillow to sleep on, and in the daytime he needs his plow to work his fields. Together those two add up to the value of the loan. So therefore, you could seize both the pillow and the plow together to get the total value of the collateral you need for the total defaulted loan. But you have to essentially return the pillow when he needs it or the plow when he needs it. So the Mishnah is going to think he needs the pillow by night and the plow by day. And therefore, it says the Mishnah, If the borrower had two utensils, which in total add up 
to the value of the defaulted loan. So therefore, the lender wants it as collateral. But he needs both those things, but at different times. Then, notal echad or maniach echad. He basically does this alternating game every day. The lender will have to take one item and return one item. Maniach here, other girls even have machazir, return. Okay? One item. So therefore, um, for example, umachazir esakar belayla, every night he would return the pillow. And then, vesamacharesha bayom. And then he would, um, in the morning, he would take back the pillow and he would bring um, the macharesh, the plow, to the the bar so he can do his work or do his sleeping, as the case may be. A couple just uh, points. The first is a small point. The word car sometimes, it's a machlok is what it means. It doesn't mean pillow. It doesn't mean mattress. Okay, whatever it is, it's, but it, it means he needs it for sleeping. Now, again, the first part of the Mishnah said that the impounding, the seizure of the property must be done by the agents of the business. What's happening here is that essentially the bezin went and they stood outside the guy's house. The guy brought out his plow, brought out his pillow, and um, then the, those the bezin's agent handed it over to the lender. So the lender basically is going to twice a day now come back to the guy, meet him outside his house, and give him his pillow by night, taking back the plow, and then taking the plow by night. Sorry, and then in the morning, giving the back the plow and taking the pillow. Yes. Now, you might ask, what's the point then of taking all this collateral if he has to bring it back forth anyway? So hold that thought because with the mission we'll discuss a little bit of that right now. The imace, the first thing is um, if the borrower dies, so then the collateral that he's holding in his hand, meaning the lender's holding his hand, um, he doesn't need to return to the heirs so he can now keep it and sell it. So what this is saying, the Chiddush here is as follows. Normally, when a person dies, so his heirs, the Yorshav, so they inherit both his assets and his liabilities, meaning they have to pay back his debts as well, besides for keeping their assets. But um, the creditors to whom the state now owes money um, has automatically have a lien on his real assets, his 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 karka, like his land and real estate, but it doesn't have, at least according to Mishnahic law, um, and he, they don't have a lien, the creditors don't have a lien on the metaltal and the movable objects like the pillow and the plow. So as far as the mission is concerned, if the lender didn't have possession of the pl- plow or pillow at the time that the defaulted borrower died, they wouldn't be able to get them any anyways. They basically have to get paid from the real assets, the real estate of the defaulted borrower. But since the lender's already holding these metaltan, the pillow, let's say, so he can keep it because he doesn't have to return it because he's already got it in his hands. So it's a chiddush that um, he can keep what he has in terms of collateral. Now, um, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel Omer, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says, wait a second. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says this whole charade of going back and forth every day to return his pillow only goes on for 30 days. I mean, there's a 30-day window of grace where the Bezim will allow him to essentially to not collect his cash, but just hold the pillow or the macharesha or whatever it is as collateral. But after 30 days, the lenders within his rights say, listen, time is up. He had 30-day grace period. And he could, even if the borrower needs the pillow to sleep on, the lender could still sell that pillow to get money to make himself whole. Okay, that's Rabbi, Rabbi Shimon Gamil's position. Um, he says, After 30 days, he's allowed to sell it in Bezden. The idea of in Bezden just means that he has to do it in a way um, through the auspices of the Bezden to ensure that he gets a fair price for uh, the pillow. Because, of course, whatever the proceeds he gets from the sale of the collateral will then de- be deducted from the uh, the total amount still owing to him. 
And of course, there's a bit of a, of a conflict of interest here in as much as the, the lender wants to get his money back kind of quickly, let's say, but the borrower in default wants the price that he fed gets to be as high as possible because that will to reduce his debt by as much as possible. So that's done in the bezin to make sure that the fair price is received. Okay? Now, as far as halach lamaisa goes, so uh, in such a scenario, the borrower, um, if he needs the item that's been seized as collateral, so then the lender can never sell it. Okay, but if if he doesn't need it, let's say he has two pillows, or it's, a, I don't know, it's a book that he doesn't need or something, whatever it is, even if he wants it but doesn't need it, so then after 30 days, the halach is that indeed the lender can sell whatever he's confiscated to try and make himself whole. Okay. Now, new paragraph, if you will. Uh, we're talking now about the same setup of seizing assets from a defaulted borrower, but here we're talking about when the borrower is an almana, meaning a widow. So the Torah has a separate denial to itself that says you may not do this to an almana, period. And the Pasuk that is quoted here in the Mishnah says, Lo sachabol beged almana, you can't confiscate and pound the garment of a widow. That's all in the context of this kind of scenario. So the Mishnah says, Almana benshi anio benshi ashira. It doesn't matter if this widow is uh, poor or rich. Eimamashkinen osa. You may not seize her assets to make herself whole. Shnemar, as the Pasuk says, Velosachabol beget almana. You can't impound or seize, confiscate the clothing of an almana. It's not just clothing, but any of her assets. Okay? Now, if you'll ask the question, wait a second. The Pasuk said it. What's the Mishnah coming to add? So the answer is, there's another shita which is not explicit in our Mishnah, the shita of Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon holds, in general, this principle of darshinan taima dekra. Rabbi Shimon holds that we make sense of the rationale behind the mitzvahs and then apply them accordingly. So he says, listen, obviously, the, says Rabbi Shimon, obviously the reason why we're not letting you confiscate the property of a widow is because she's a poor widow who, you know, and it's not fair, and she has, you know, we want to protect the widows. But what happens if the widow's rich? So she's a millionaire, so and she owes fifty bucks. Why can't the and she's refusing to pay it? Why can't the lender take the, her pillow and sell it for fifty bucks? So Rabbi Shimon says, obviously he can. The Torah didn't mean that. So he's darshin on time of the Kra. He says the rationale is to protect poor widows. This isn't a poor widow, so it wouldn't apply. But our our ton of our mission says wrong. The pasuk didn't differentiate between rich and poor, and therefore the law applies equally to rich and poor widows. You may not confiscate their property, and that would be the halacha. Okay, now, like a new a new topic here, like a new paragraph, um, the Torah also prohibits the confiscation in the case we, in this kind of scenario of from anybody, not just a, a widow or something, from anybody. Uh, the you can, can't confiscate the utensils they use to prepare food. Okay, now the example that is used in the pasuk says lo yachabal rechayim v'rechav. Which means you can't confiscate the hand mill. That's for like for grinding wheat, let's say, to make flour. You can't confiscate that that uh, the the mill, the grinder, um, from the poor person. Now, it didn't say just the rechaim, which means like the, the generic, you know, the 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 grinder, the mill. Um, it says rechaim verechev, both parts of it. There are two parts. So the bottom part uh, in the pasuk is called the rechaim the grinder or mill, the bottom part which sits on, and on top, the rechev goes around in circles. It kind of is a handle there, and the way you grind is you put the these two kind of heavy rocks, and you put the seeds, the kernels between the two, and then the handle on top you use, you use and you spin the top one, which grinds against the bottom one, and then the, that breaks the 
seeds, the kernels, down into wheat, into flour. So since the Pasuk said both Rechaim Verechev, both uh, the bottom and the top stones, so that's like two different uh, utensils. And the Mishnah is going to make the point that not only can you not confiscate any utensils used to make food, but since the Mishnah differentiated and mentioned both the top and bottom, uh, by the way, in the Mishnah, oftentimes the top part is called the Rechev, like in our Pasuk, and the bottom part is not called Rechaim, which refers to the mill as a total, but rather it's called the Shechev. Shechev. But anyways, our Mishnah doesn't mention that word. Just want to make sure it's not confusing. So here we say, Hachovel es If one would seize as collateral after a loan is in default, the mill, the, the hand grinding mill of the of the borrower, over below sase, he's over the lav of the Torah and Atirut, so he's over Isotoraisa. And in fact, Vachayev Meshum Shnei Kalim, he actually has done two separate um, violations of this one mitzvah, meaning he would get lashes twice. Why? Shenemar lo yachbol rechaim berechev. The pasuk specifies both, uh, both of those implements, the rechaim and the rachev. And the rachev, again, is the top one. The rechaim, the bottom one. But it could have said in, in one. It said two. So therefore, you have two separate utensils. Period. Um, now, uh, and the bishop goes on to say, v'lo rechaim berechev bilvad. This doesn't just apply to mills and hand mills, whatever it is. Amru ela. Any utensils that are used to prepare food, ochel nefesh means like food to sustain people, but it means food. Like, for example, a pot or a frying pan, uh, you know, a butcher knife, a cleaver, all the stuff you're using to make food is all forbidden to confiscate. Because the Pasuk says, ki nefesh hu chovel. It's like as if he's like confiscating the guy's life because that's his way he prepares his food. So therefore, you cannot take those things. Um, you have to take other things that are not used for food preparation.